You are listening to the Massive Report Podcast. Hi, and welcome to the Massive Report Podcast 2020 style tonight. Doing it remotely with Murph, with Brett, with Bart. Hi, Bart. Hey, Brian. Good to see you, man. Good to see your smiling face. My name is Brian. Like and subscribe. Murph reminds me to say that. And about one every 10 podcasts, I actually get that in there. That's a terrible average. I'm going to try to lift that this year. That's one of my goals. And we thank, even though we're not there and we wish we were, Saucy Brew Works, we'll be back there soon to uh, dive in face-to-face. But here we are virtually on something called StreamYard, which so far so good. I kind of like it. I like more than Zoom already. It seems to be working. Zoom was all glitchy for me. Uh, are we feeling glitchy, guys, after a 4-1 loss to Union? I, there's a ton to talk about. So we love that. Fascinating lineup. Brett, how much of the lineup, did, before you saw it, did you guess? 45% of it, maybe. <laughs> um you know, I'd like to say I'd like to feel like I'm pretty plugged in. Um, and uh, sweet Mary, mother of mercy, did that? Did some of those decisions uh, come out of left field, um, or in this case, I would say come out of the 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 you know in between the goal posts? Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, we can kind of talk a little bit more. Um, kind of in depth a little bit about this as as the podcast goes on, but yeah, some of those decisions, some of those personnel decisions were um, baffling to me, and I don't necessarily mean that in like, a, oh, I didn't like the way you know X player performed, but more just like shocked at the, um, say, uh, the, the 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 faith already placed in some players early on um uh in in Wilfred Nancy's uh you know tenure was was is, is a fascinating thing to, to kind of wrap our arms around I mean really it was high school musical out there you know I mean that that was that was a lot of youth let's start Murph between the pipes because we we thought we knew how this was going to go and we'll speak to the room situation and see if this is already all squared away. We, we didn't expect uh, young uh, MLS two goalie of the year to snatch the starting job in the first game at of all places, Philadelphia. That any inclination that you saw that coming? No, that was, I think that was the biggest surprise. And there were a number of surprises for sure. Uh, I, I even saw Bailey Johnson from the Columbus Dispatch who was in Florida and saw them scrimmage one of the times down there. We also saw him once here. And that was the one she said was her biggest surprise because I think you, know, you look at some of the other young guys on the field, you knew that they had gotten some time and, and that Nancy was interested in them. Um, and we can talk about those more. But I think you had a veteran like Evan Bush who you expected to step in for, for Aloy Room, who, in case you missed it, he was out with he'd been away from the team for about a week going back to get his green card uh he had to go back to the embassy in the netherlands and when that all came out there was also this news that he had been 
had two traffic stops over the offseason. Uh, Oops. You know, the way people drive around here anymore, I see more people going 90 miles an hour. How did he get caught? He drives never... a yellow Lamborghini. He drives a yellow Lamborghini. <laughs> yeah. oh, well, that, that's one problem. Conspicuous. Maybe you need to slow down a little bit. But I see people driving like maniacs all the time. Nobody ever gets pulled over. So I'm the I'm the slow guy. I'm the 65 miles an hour guy. So yeah, that's another thing. But so this just real quick, Murph. This is nothing, and we shouldn't worry about it. No, and and Nancy said last week that you know that was part of the plan, and so like. You know, I've never gotten a green card, but my understanding is that there is a whole process you go through. Sure. And that you don't really get, you know, you can pick when you try and start the process, but there wasn't a lot of time available for him to get back over there once he started the process. And they wanted it done before the season started, because if he doesn't have the green card prior to the season, then he still counts as an international regardless yeah. of when he gets it during the season, which is a rule that's changed in the last handful of years um so it was it was all done to do that to give the crew an extra international spot um you know down the road when they need it but yeah i i still think everyone expected it to be evan bush i certainly did he's he's a guy who's played 10 years in this league um you know he's he's done well for he didn't do well for this last trip to Philadelphia, which was with the crew and they lost 3-0. But uh, he has done well when he's had to step in. He's done well as a starter in the past for both Montreal, where Wilfred Nancy was a uh, academy coach when he was there, and then um, and then with Vancouver as well. So that was definitely surprising. I think it kind of led into what, what Nancy elected to go with there, which was a lot of youth in that lineup especially in the back line and, you know, that back five that we expected looked different than we expected with a guy like Will Sands over Jimmy Madranda, Mo Farsi over maybe a Diaz. Um, and then obviously Philip Quinton was a guy I think most people thought was going to start, but you had Josh Williams available. Mm -hmm. My biggest takeaway, well, I had two. Well, the first was that he went with the guys that were available most in preseason. Madranda was out with an injury for parts of it. Josh Williams was out with an injury for parts of it. Luis Diaz was banged up a little bit. So I think the, he went with the guys that he saw the most throughout preseason, which that part makes sense. But I think it's a little naive to think you can go to Philadelphia, arguably the best team in the league, and play a brand new system with that many young guys on the field. I think if this had been a home game, if this had been next week, um, I think it makes a bit more sense. And maybe it was a bit of a surprise. There was a lot of it that worked in the first half, but they certainly got figured out throughout the course of the game. And, and I think it's tougher to get young guys to to do as many things or adjust on the fly as you might with a, a Josh Williams, a Jimmy Madranda, somebody like that. And you know, I don't want to put everything that happened on the young guys, but I do think it was, like I said, a little bit naive to think you could go there. And, and it, I mean, I guess if you get the result, it looks genius, but they didn't. Bart, uh, how about this? Uh, we only played two preseason games. This looked almost like <laughs> a throwaway in a way. It's like it's a long season. There are a lot of matches. Was this sort of like, well, what chance do we really have at Philadelphia when they're at full strength? We've we put in a new system. 
we're trying to work in these kids. Let's just let's just jump over the ledge and see what happens. I mean, I think, you know, maybe to an extent, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, Wilford Nancy and, and no one, you know, in the organization would, would say a game like these or any of them are, are throwaways. But, um, you know, when when you are looking at it, um, uh, it, it is, it's, you, you know, it, it's it's one of those first games that suddenly, especially when you when you learn that you're not going to be able to play with room, even though that's, you know, decision that, that they made from from, you know, within uh, uh, the organization. Um, that really, I think, kind of changes your calculus a little bit more. Um, uh, I still w- was a little bit surprised not to see Josh Williams in that lineup. Um, I, How I think, can he score if he's not there, Bart? Exactly. I mean, it, it's, it hurt for my picks, but <laughs> but also, I mean, for some of the points that, that Murph brought up, and because you know, uh, uh, Quinton was among the players exposed uh, on some of those uh, uh, goals that they did have from the run and play. And, and just where you, especially with, with a back line that, you know, a three-man back line, uh, I think having, you know, that Josh and, and one of them, one of the other guys in that back line too, um, and Steven Herrera is not a guy who's played that center back position too often. Um, so I, I, I was a little bit surprised with that, uh, but I think, you know, Nancy's looking at, hey, I, I, uh, we, we do have a full season in front of us. Um, and, and you look at the ceilings with some of these guys like, you know, you under you know what you've got um, your floor with with Josh Williams and even some of, you know, the, the, the newer players like the Miranda Redrandas um, who, you know, are pretty established in MLS. You, you kind of know what you're going to get. See what you can get with these kids in in about as tough a road environment. Um, as you're going to face in MLS, um, and and if you're a team that wants to make the playoffs and wants to make some noise, you're going to have to go through Philadelphia, and you're probably going to have to go through, or I should say, Chester. Um, you'll have to go through Chester, you know, uh, uh, on the road. So uh, see what you got. Uh, uh, you learned a lot, um, uh, or at least learned that that's not a team that that you can give up too much with. So, Brett, last week we talked about Matan, and I kind of put him in with all the other kids because, uh, you know, he's been here a while, but we always had the feeling that, we, you know, he was miscast with Caleb Porter, and certainly he was in the middle of that first goal, or the only goal, even though it was, uh, you know, ruled an own goal. What, what did you think of his play? Were you uh, heartened by what you saw? So th- this is going to this is going to turn into kind of a philosophical kind of soliloquy, if you will. Um, so bear with me uh, for a minute. I have never seen a individual player that I think represents one of the most fascinating or personifies, I should say one of the more fascinating things about this game in terms of the subjectivity of individual player evaluation relative to relative from like coach to coach. Right. So Matan is a guy who comes in, everyone sees the highlight video of him hitting bangers, you know, cutting in on his right side, hitting it to the far corner. Everyone's like, Whoa, look at this guy. Look at this highlight highlight reel. He comes in in a COVID year, tons of injuries, plays quite a bit, doesn't score, doesn't get a primary assist. Then basically doesn't play and essentially gets not just benched, but like 
removed from the first team in a lot of ways, right? Sent to the developmental squad of this club, does not light it up in the developmental league by any stretch of the imagination. In fact, I would say in large part was fairly anonymous in those appearances. A new coach comes in, is here for uh, like two and a half months, and homeboy starts against the best team in your conference. In what universe are those two things relatable? I, I don't understand that by any stretch of the like by any measurement of mine. I have no idea how you can go from one thought process and then five months later you get like the extreme polar opposite of it. And when we actually when I'm watching him on the field, and I think when when most people are watching him on the field, I don't see a ton of difference between Matan and in, you know, say like 2020 Columbus crew, which was when we saw him perhaps playing at his quote unquote best with what we saw with Maton uh, against the Philadelphia union, tons of touches in tight spaces. It looks so dynamic. And then it's a turnover and it's right back the other way, filling the space that he just vacated. I, it's, it's, I don't quite understand it. And that's not to say I don't like him as a player. I think he's, I think he's exciting but there has to be a result with it there. It's a results-based business, especially for a player that plays that position. I, ju- I don't, it, I don't understand that move at all. That makes no sense to me. And, and so his, his inclusion as the season goes along will be a fascinating thing to, to, to keep an eye on. I, I couldn't believe he was starting uh, I would have been, honestly, God, I would have been a little bit surprised to to see him on the bench. Uh, the, but the fact that he was in the starting lineup was mystifying to me. And I don't necessarily mean that in a negative way. It just was fascinating in terms of how he had risen up the depth chart that quickly. That 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 blew my mind. Murph did did he did he do anything to improve his position after that first game beyond his involvement in the goal? Or, you know, as we talked about last week, what was his downside? Was his lack of defensive ability? How do you see it? Yeah, I mean, I thought, like, being in that spot that helps create the own goal is a positive, right? And Brett mentioned some of the other positives. Like, this is an attack that didn't do much in general. I mean, you know, Cucho had one really bad shot from outside the box that went well wide. Uh, I mean, they, they put pressure on Philly's defense. But what they finish the game? Two shots on goal, and you know this is Lucas didn't look as dynamic. Um, I was interested in some of the the set pieces they ran, but he he had a chance from the top of the box that mm-hmm. didn't uh, result in anything crazy. I, it just didn't look like it had clicked yet, and whether that's Matan, whether that's you know just trying to fit into this new system with you know kind of a, a striker and then two guys playing underneath him. I, I, it's hard to tell with just one game of, of evidence there, but I thought the the front three in general, and then, you know, you have two young wingbacks who one of which is still working very much on his offensive game and Will Sands who comes off at halftime. And, you know, that's, you're not getting a ton from, from them. Uh, Mo Farsi, I thought played, played all right, but you know, the, the attack just didn't look crisp. Like you said, it almost still looks like they were trying to figure it out in preseason 
which is funny because in preseason they scored a lot of goals. <laughs> well, that's preseason, I suppose. A lot yeah. of times it's 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 fool's gold. Bart, uh, and I don't know, I don't want to spend a lot of time in the handballs, Bart, because I don't think anybody knows what the hell a handball is anymore. I, I think it speaks to VAR being an impediment sometimes because we get so granular, you know. It, and the, the same with offsides. I mean, it's like, what is offsides? What isn't, you know, it's, I mean, you can see, but his toe is offside, whatever, but handball is the most frustrating thing to me. Um, but that is what it is. We would have lost the game. Anyway, the second goal, the first one that Philly got in the run of play was disturbing because we were caught with our pants down. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. No, and that's uh, that. That I think is you know one of the uh, and Smurf alluded to this earlier. You know that high press that that crew were deploying. Look, you, you catch yourself and you've got a turnover, um, and, and then suddenly Darlington Nagby and, and Aiden Morris, both of them step up. Suddenly, there is a lot of lot of open uh, space for a team like Philly to. And that's a tactical um, thing. We want mm-hmm. to do that. We want to win the ball back immediately and Mm -hmm. in that particular situation it left a ton of space Mm -hmm. and uh, it was it was uh, not pleasing to the eye to see how we didn't react to that very well and you could tell even though i couldn't see their eyes i'm sure philly's eyes were like oh oh, 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 this this is nice this is fun this is a team that's been, you know, playing together for a long time that knows how to execute that, you know, creates those triangles, you know, with that diamond formation that they have. Um, and, and yeah, they're, they're going to finish that. You expect them to finish that. Um, I still think, you know, yes, we shouldn't, you know, dwell on the handballs, but uh, that does significantly change the trajectory of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, you know, the, the one dubious one, another, and, 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 you know, we, talk about when we talk about apple tv and the the broadcasts but um it wasn't just fans saying that those were bullshit um it it was the announcers and and maybe not so many uh not so profane a manner um well it's apple tv though they could swear if they wanted hey i guess they could you know what why didn't they yeah Um, (laughs) i mean what the fuck right (laughs) but but i mean and it is it it is because you, you don't want um it becomes hard to, you know, really evaluate the game and evaluate some of the right. performances right. when, you know, suddenly your lead goes on a ticky-tack handball and then especially the one on Milos. And, and he had yeah. a, a great quote um, uh, uh, that, that, that Bailey um, from the dispatch transcribed that I, I just want to share a little bit, bit of it. I don't think it got into the you know, article, but just saying football's become so fragile. You can't even defend. You can't do anything. Everything's awarded a penalty. Yellow cards that before were not yellow cards and things like that. Again, there are no excuses, but it is what it is. Last year, we didn't make the playoffs because I made the penalty the same way Mo did tonight, oh, the same way yeah. I did tonight. Yeah. It's hard to put into words without swearing and without losing. <laughs> we can come on weird. here and swear. We've already established <laughs> that. Brett, uh, I'm I'm concerned about the utilization of Morea because I think he's such a dynamic attacking style. Uh, he's a player that can flip a game. And I, I feel like just based on this first match that we saw that his 
responsibility as a right center back takes away his talent to quickly flip the script, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think, I mean, he's responsible for one of the goals, right? It's a turnover that leads to a transition moment that um, I believe it's the the Gazdag goal in the second half um, where, you know, it's basically a turnover um, and then a really great ball that kind of ties Phil Quinton and Knotts going the other way and then a a really good finish um, to to kind of round out the whole uh, sequence of play. Um, He's not a center back. Right. I mean, like that's 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 not something up for debate. I mean, I don't I don't think that's even something that's that's like um, much of an opinion. Uh, I would say he would admit that that he's not a center back. But I think he's being forced into that job because of the the, the utter lack of depth um, that's available at that position, both due to injury and also due to personnel decisions. Mm-hmm. Um and that I, I just don't that I think is crazy talk to me. Um, and, and I understand the the business side of things and in terms of the, the timing of the Jonathan Mensa's trade um, where you're trying to get your your biggest return as, as you possibly can. Most teams are trying to shore, um, you know, shore up their rosters before the season starts. Right. Um, but the, the fact that you're, you're trading away that guy, um, it, while you have a presumably hurt center back and that's your, you have basically have two center backs on the roster with Milos and Phil. Um, I mean, and you're playing three, you're starting three, no matter what I, I just, that, that makes no, that makes very little sense to me, but, um, that I think that's kind of the nature of of the the reality of the situation, right? And that this is Wilfred's Wilfred Nancy's team, right? And and it's it's his prerogative. His entire job security depends on his ability to take a roster that isn't his. And I think that's really important to say as well that this is not his roster. This is not his team. He has to take that with his system and his you know football philosophy and marry those two things as best he possibly can. And to expect anything other than growing pains is probably misplaced expectations. Mm-hmm. Now, that being said, uh, and, and their and their greatest, this team's best source of source of depth is it outside back right now. So the, in terms of Will Sands, Jimmy Madronda, uh, Luis Diaz, who's being kind of employed as a, as a de facto right back, Mo Farsi and Steve Marrero. You have a lot of guys who can play um, left back and right back on this team. So maybe you feel like since there's more of a safety net there compared to say center back that you can afford to move Steve a little bit more in field. Um, and I think that's kind of the, you know, probably what they're saying is the lesser of two evils in certain, in terms of tough decisions that they can make. Um, but it didn't work uh, yeah. for me in this first game. Yeah. I, and, and so the, the question that we have to answer that that we can only answer with the, the the benefit of more games and more time seeing these guys play is did the reason it you know are the reasons reasons plural that it didn't seem to work due to the fact that the, this per, this team just doesn't have the personnel to make it work or 
Is it because Philadelphia is a really good bleeping team that has basically everybody back from last year minus a backup striker? I am going to lean more towards that second part, especially after Jim Curtin realized that, you know, we can give them 60% of the ball and it's probably not going to matter in terms of chance creation for us. Um, and, and it didn't really change a whole lot. So I think it was maybe more due to the fact that Philly's just really good. Right. And I, yeah. and I tweeted about that a little bit after the game that, um, you know, that was a pretty sobering dose of reality in yeah. that, like it, that like, Hey, this is an elite MLS team, but the best manager in the league yeah. that everybody in that organization absolutely loves. Yeah. And the, that, that buy-in is so rare in MLS and, um, and it's a very tangible thing. And then on top of that, he happens to be pretty bleep and good tactically as well. Yeah. So when they, when they decided to counter press and overload the midfield, it was game over at that point. Yeah. And, and yeah. you saw the results of that in a very obvious, obvious way. Well, uh, the, the long, the long game here, Murph, is that we're going to have to replace Jonathan with somebody. And we talked about this last week. And it's hard to find good center backs around the world, you know, strikers and center backs, they're in short supply. But it seems to me that if we're going to have some success this year, that this has to be addressed, right? Yeah, I mean, and they're aware of that. And Tim Bezbachenko said there was a guy that they were close to that that's in Turkey that because of stuff with the earthquake, they oh my goodness, yeah, may not get that that player. Um, but I mean, like. I think they may keep Stephen Marrera at that right back, that right center back. I mean, spot. I don't see him moving. Yeah, that's I, well, who's, who's going to play. Yeah, him? right. I mean, he's going to go like, in that spot. They want yeah. somebody who who is more mobile and can kind of push forward a little bit. I mean, Nancy did that last year with I forget the guy's name, but it was the left center back that wasn't really you know a true center back. I think we talked about it last week. I think it's easier to say before the game, but and and Brett mentioned growing pains like there was good there's going to be some adjustment here right they're doing a lot of things differently Nancy's clearly going to trust some some younger guys and so you know it could take a while before this team looks like they want to look and you look across the field that's the blueprint they're using now and and Tim Bezbachenko when we were talking to him on media day talking about how they they want to use this crew two team to develop guys and that's not what they were saying a year ago. You know, I mean, they did want to use crew two and, and there was some emphasis there, but you see the difference already with, with Nancy versus Caleb Porter and they're going to give him time I, I, beyond this. You know, it's not going to be a quick trigger here. And if he's going to play young guys and, and try and develop what Phillies developed, and there are other teams in MLS too that have used their Academy and, and not spent a lot of money, but Philly is just the most recent example that made an MLS cup final. If that's what you want to do and you believe this is your coach that can do it, you know, you're going to have to give him time. And, and, you know, we'll obviously be able to make more evaluations as we see more games. But I do think that has to be in the back of everyone's mind is this isn't the short term game. Right. Now. Right. No, right. And, and that, that's that's yeah. a great way to that's a great way to kind of piggyback the 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 overarching kind of sentiment that we've been saying now. Um, on the last few podcasts is what this team is going to look like in the front third of the season is going to look a lot different than the back two thirds. Right. And that's by design 
but also just simply by the 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 lack of depth and personnel that they have mm-hmm. in some spots relative to who they want in in those in those positions that are out in kind of the transfer universe that have yet to be kind of you know brought into the fold we know changes are coming when they arrive is is yet to be determined um but they're they're going to happen because it, some of it is just an absolute necessity yeah bart think about uh the superstars because we do have a couple of superstars mm-hmm. on this club uh my concern is we as we parse through the, the youth movement that we saw the other night that uh we're going to have a couple of of really talented finishing players who uh aren't necessarily going to be down for this and mm-hmm. and you know it seems like we've sort of this is sort of a cobbled together well we got these superstars but we got all these kids and some of it's a was built for what Caleb Porter wanted and uh, to Brett's point is like, this is not his team. So we need to give it time. Uh, long story short, I, if, if I was to go to the window at our new legal sports books, I probably wouldn't be putting down a lot of money for this team making the playoffs. And and that's, I think, you know, one of the concerns because it, this team is, it's, they're sort of, you know, in there, there's obviously they, they got younger, they wanted to get younger and it's whether, you know, it's the difference between like the rebuild and the reset, right? Um, can they, uh, are they able to bring these guys in? Because you, you don't, don't look at how much money this team has spent on guys like, you know, uh, uh, Lucas Elrayon and, uh, uh, Cucho Hernandez. I would venture to say that's probably more money on transfers between two of them than the entire Philly starting eleven. Um, uh, uh, th- these are big name players that they paid a big price tag for. Um, that that you don't really pay for to help bring along, you know, young guys. Um, uh, now, you know, there, there's uh, uh, and so especially with a guy like like Cucho, who's you know in his prime, Lucas Elrayon who's, you know, in his prime, uh, 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 I, I think it, it's going to be, I think here there's going to be some pressure and potentially on Tim Bezbachenko, um, maybe almost more so th- than Wilfred Nancy, um, uh, to, to try to make sure that, you know, this team can get those pieces to make the playoffs, because if not, we're talking about, look, uh, a team that, made the has made the playoffs once right correct in 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 the Tim Bezpachenko era um albeit they won a cup I mean that's that that's you know there's something to be said about that I, but you know there's also a question um and I see that say this somewhat tongue-in-cheek you know are the owners going to spend that money when they just shelled out 3.5 billion or whatever to get in on the Milwaukee Bucks too I, how much money does that guy have how, how many energy drinks and Packets of beef jerky is he selling there at those truck stops? That's I mean, do, can we get Giannis in, you know, for, for some of the games? Or a <laughs> get, get some size up front. Yeah. yeah, yeah, there we go. Yeah, that one kind of came out of left. I field. do think it's important to point out that we could be having an entirely different conversation after next week's game. He could roll out a completely, not completely different lineup. They don't have enough players. But he, <laughs> I asked him about, I forget what the question was I asked. He was – Nancy said that, you know, from one game to the next, basically, he's going to do, and I, I think we talked about this a little bit last week, he's going to do what he believes is is the best thing to win that game. Um, and so 
It didn't work week one at Philly. But what he decides tactically is better against what DC does. They could look very different. The formation could be the same. Even the players could be the same. But they may do some different things. So I think it's going to be interesting to just see how he tweaks this. And let's remember, he's only had a couple months with with these guys. And they haven't played yeah. the game. So yeah. you know, there's not a lot to learn from there. Bart and I have already started shoveling the grave here. Maybe, maybe we've kind of jumped the gun here. Um, Brett. As far as as are you a fan of the just the the formation that he put out there? Are because we can debate all the time because that's the one thing about the beautiful game that's so interesting is how different managers approach how they deploy their players. Are, are you a fan of this? Because I read a lot of tweets, and certainly our our old friend Alex Stanek was like. That was a terrible result, but I was entertained. Uh, it's, I think what ultimately he's trying to do is be on the front foot that we always talk about, right? Yeah, I, you know, and I think it the, the the back three is very much in vogue right now in terms of managerial philosophy formation-wise, um, you know, five years ago it was – uh, you know, defending out of a 4-3-3, attacking 4-2-3-1, a la Caleb Porter, maybe even like as far as back as, say, like eight years ago. Uh, 15 years ago, I was playing in a diamond, right? And uh, you had your kind of your, your typical like 10 at the top of that diamond, and, and you were trying to, you know, direct everything through that player. 25 years ago, it was a 4-2-4, you know, 4-4-2, two very typical midfielders, two bombing on attack players, and you were just serving balls in left and right to the tallest strikers you could find mm-hmm. and, and hope that one of them managed to crash their forehead into one of those crosses. <laughs> um, yeah. 35 years ago, we were assigning numbers, uh, depending on what country you played in. You were ass- the, the jersey you were assigned that day was where you played. Yeah. Um, a la, you know, the Dutch system and, and, you know, Johan, Johan, Johan Cruyff and, um, actually it's probably more than 35 years ago, 40, 50 years ago. But, uh, what I'm saying is that all of this is cyclical, right. And, and so the, the, the nature of kind of that back three into a back five is very much what, um, you know, modern managers like right now it's everywhere it's not just an mls it's you know in, in every top professional league across the world um i mean we saw it at the world cup um i do think it does some nice things in terms of forcing um you know opposing strikers to to be a little bit more active to make those players run a little bit more i think it it it, it makes pressing a little bit more difficult um the uh, the hard thing is, and I think this is something that we maybe see a little bit more of um, as the season goes along, you rely a lot on your goalkeeper to to kind of maintain possession with that back three. Um, most of that with Patrick Schulte. Yeah, exactly. Most of that with the goalkeeper's feet, mind you. Um, the Your ability of your outside wing backs to – um, maintain possession uh, is is a key kind of cog, um, kind of in the in the philosophical kind of structure of all that goes on. I personally don't really like it, and that's coming from a 
you know, an attacking midfielder perspective as a, as a the player that I was and that I wanted to be in the center of the field. I wanted to receive the ball back to goal, be able to turn and go. And I think in, in some ways that's something that is a little bit less emphasized. Maybe I, I'm not sure because we just don't know. We just don't have enough kind of, um, reps in terms of what we want to see from this, uh, you know, this team. I do think that one thing that I love that Nancy has kind of repeatedly said both in his time at Montreal and then he's also said it a couple different times with crew is they have like this very like kind of loose set of parameters that they want players to play in. And then within those, they want them to express themselves specifically in a creative attacking sense. And I think that really suits this this crew roster really, really well. Um, t- but like, that's all well and good. You still got to make it happen. Yeah. Um, and and so the the fruits of that um, of those labors, I think, are yet to be seen. I mean, two shots on target against you know the best the the best defensive team that we saw in MLS last year. Um, so that's not necessarily, you know, a net negative per se, but one of them is a direct free kick from Lucas and the other one is the one that went in. And so, uh, you know, I'd like to see a little bit more uh, in front of goal. I definitely would like to see a little bit more in terms of a little bit less fluidity in that front three, I think actually does them a little bit of good in terms of maintaining shape, certainly against the high press. Um but yeah, I think the formation works for me. It's just I, I the, the personnel at the moment doesn't really work, but that is maybe not his fault. So uh, all excellent points, and it's like we're I think we're we're trying to sort of answer all these questions that we have and that the supporters have that simply are not answerable yet because we haven't seen enough. But you know, we talked a lot about kids, Murph. But one of the more interesting nuggets on uh, massport.com was the, the comment from Nancy that he wanted Darlington Nagby to be more aggressive. Um, how do you see that playing out? Is he comfortable with that? We know that in, and we, we made note of that on the site that, you know, his passing percentage would go down. I mean, he's a legendary passer of the ball almost never makes a mistake. That's going to go down a little bit, but do you see him embracing that role? Yeah, I think he, he did, um, you know, especially when they were kind of on the front foot in the first half on Saturday. I thought both him and Aiden were both really aggressive, um, both in the pressing uh, that they did and then just kind of getting forward a little bit. I mean, he wasn't as forward as, as I think some people may have read into that. You know, he's not going to become a number 10 all of a sudden, but he, he was – he wasn't just near the center circle passing the ball left and right, which I thought was was positive in terms of him being more a part of the attack. Again, I just I don't think that the attack is there yet, um, which is unfortunate in a game where you give up four goals because you'd like to score more. But uh, I think that that you know asking him to do that is another part of of kind of the growing uh, in his game and and you know the guys around him because for the last three years. He's been in the exact same role for the most part under Caleb and hasn't been asked to do anything different. So the guys that know how to play with him have played with him in that role. 
And I think they're going to have to figure out, you know, if you're going to press high and, and teams are going to figure out a way to turn you over and go the other way. Okay. Who's, who's there. If it's not a strong back three that can, can take care of that business. So uh, that, that falls on Nagby a little bit too, as, as kind of the veteran guy in that midfield next to Aiden and Aiden will run, but you know, he, he doesn't have that same level of experience to know exactly where to be. And, you know, Darlington was, was, not fantastic defensively on that goal you mentioned either that, um, you know, Philip Quinton, I think was the one that was singled out because it, it looked silly, but Darlington didn't exactly do wonders to, to get a stop there either. In my mind. Well, unless we have anything else on this match, we, we should probably kind of put a bow on it. Bart, do you have anything to add? Just one, um, uh, uh, and it's actually more about Philadelphia. And there's a couple things, and it's on MLS.com, and there was you know some discussion about it before the game, and then certainly after um, about uh, some anonymous quotes that had been in the Athletic um, last week uh, of, of you know executives around the league, and basically saying something to the effect of. You know, I no one would know that Philadelphia is, you know, the most successful team in the regular season over the last three years. You know, they're not that impressive. Um, and then there was a, a in, especially in in, in the uh, uh, Philadelphia media, but to an extent as well with the the national media, this storyline about oh. Philadelphia, you know, they've got all this bulletin board material that they need right now. And they are um, Jim Curtin, you know, comes out right after the game and says, you know, anonymous quotes are for cowards. And boy, they really showed the Columbus crew that. And, um, I, you know, the thing about anonymous quotes, Brian, is that it can be anyone. You know, it could be uh, it, it could have been Tim Bezbachenko saying that um, it, it could also have been uh, uh, Ernst, uh, um, uh, uh, their uh, Ernst Tanner, the yeah, the the Philadelphia GM. It could have been Jim Curtin saying that, trying to motivate his team. Um, <laughs> it, it, you know, it it, it could it could have been anyone with that. To, you know, and it just it felt it harkened back to a little bit with uh, 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 Caleb Porter, um, who who did would always find a way to just you know be get a chip on his shoulder and try to you know talk about the respect or lack thereof that his team is receiving and when there's not a single serious ml person covering mls who doesn't think that philadelphia union are an elite team one of the best teams in mls there's no one serious about that but you know congratulations philadelphia you really proved it all you had to do was take a team that was playing um two players making their mls debuts three players making the first mls start one player making his first start since 2001 another player making his first start at a new position and all under uh, the first game under a new coach and you just needed two dubious penalties to get that <laughs> dominant 4-1 win congratulations philadelphia let's anoint them now can we, can we can we also can i can i say this too real quick if if you are an anonymous mls person who it does think that Philadelphia is not an elite team. Stop talking because the last thing major league soccer needs is a pissed off Philadelphia union because then they're like, 
if you like if if you think like the manufacturing the the underdoggedness so to speak of Philadelphia Union has been somewhat successful over the last couple of years give them actual true tangible underdoggedness whatever bulletin board material and watch them blow everybody out stop feeding them it's not going to work out well. For I, I like Bart's theory that it came from within. It's sort of like after the Super Bowl when you hear Travis Kelsey go, everyone doubted us. <laughs> no one doubted you, man. I mean, it, that's ridiculous. But I understand that this is the narrative that, that athletes at that level have to sometimes tell themselves. Mm-hmm. They have to feel like everybody is against them. You so gotta be careful too, though, because like you know, the Cincinnati fans when they feel like they're wronged and stuff, they'll throw the beers. Philadelphia <laughs> fans throw batteries. You oh. gotta be careful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the they're a professional bad fans. There's no question. There's a reason why there's a courtroom in uh, uh, the the Philadelphia <laughs> Eagles Stadium. There is a very good reason for that. No question. Um, All right, well, let's move along from this one because I feel like it told us a lot, but (laughs) there's this is chapter one of a mystery, you know, and this is going to be a page-turning season. It really is. Um, We have a vastly different philosophy from this manager just in terms of his willingness to to play young, unproven kids, and that that right there is going to give – us so much to talk about and it's so different from Caleb Porter who was so stubborn about everything so this is going to be very interesting uh another interesting club in this league is DC United because a they're managed by Wayne Rooney who uh, is now the manager going into his first full season and he's kind of a loose cannon anyway Brett what 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 do we know what do you think of Wayne Rooney, the manager, they won their first match 3-2 over the troubled Toronto f- franchise. So I don't know how much that tells us, but just kind of an overarching, what do you expect as Wayne Rooney brings in D.C. United on Saturday night? Well, if they, if you saw how they won the game, um, uh, I think we can we can definitely. They, at the death, death. Yeah, and, and also um, what appears to be a super motivated group. Um, and so I think you can, um, you can maybe see the benefits, uh, of him as a motivator, uh, a little bit. And just looking at that game, I think that their personnel is fascinating. What, what do you get out of Christian Benteke? Um, you know, as a, as a, you know, kind of your, your like talismanic, like number nine player, um, uh, but I think they have some youth that are that are really dynamic, um, and uh, you know I think they're they're definitely not a squad to be taken lightly. And the uh, but the big ba- the big thing for me is is Rooney's like a you know he's like more of like the personality right of like the um, kind of in a, like the, the 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 English Premier League vein of like the this bombastic type you know kind of. Um, manager at the center of all of these kind of, you know, moments and, and quotes and mind games and everything. I think he's definitely that type of guy. And so whether or not they get any kind of, uh, you know, tangible on-field success out of that will be, is yet to be seen, but with the, you know, with their, their first game of the year, they couldn't have asked really for anything more. 
Uh, and, and in terms of momentum coming into this crew game, they have that in spades. I mean, this this team, most people picked them to finish bottom of the East. But I think when you have a guy like Rooney, and I don't know how he is tactically as a manager, but like he did some good things over in England with, with Derby County. and uh, He has played with under one of the best man managers in the history of the game in Sir Alex Ferguson. And I think just, you know, if you watched him play, you know, he's always motivated a hundred percent, you know, that type of thing. So to Brett's point, I don't think that will be any sort of issue about them getting up for games and, and whatnot. It'll be whether they have the talent. Uh, aren't they starting like a 14 year old? They have a 16 year old on their roster. Yeah. Um, so, starting Sanj. Well, you know, DC United has done this before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that worked out swimmingly, didn't it? I guess yeah. they were almost tough, but um, I don't see this group being that good. But I do think that it will be, you know, there is something to having, especially in a first year, first full year with a coach like like Wayne Rooney, having something there from the motivational side of things. So, you know, I, I would be very interested to see how they come in and, and how they approach attacking this crew team uh, on Saturday on the road. Was that game? Was I haven't watched the game. Was that in Toronto or was that in DC? Yeah, it was in DC. Okay, so yeah, and, and don't sleep on the on the fact that you know Lorenzo Insigne comes out of the game for Toronto yeah. with right. a non-contact injury, and then all of a sudden everything kind of swings from the TFC side of things to DC. Um, I'm totally. Uh, it's a uh, Teddy Kudipichi. Uh, Teddy Kudip. Pietro, I believe is his name, is the dude who scored the um like the the late and stoppage time winner that everyone's been talking about in terms of like somewhat mercurial, mercurial kind of type player that 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 they're all excited about. But I've only heard about Atlanta's late winner. I haven't heard anything about DC. Yeah. So well, yeah, the, the yeah. <laughs> well the Almeida, the Almeida winner overshadowing that a little. Yeah. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, it's yeah, the you know, kind of a four four two formation um, from DC United. I, I know that's what we saw, um, you know, from them last year uh, towards the end of the year. So you know that that'll be kind of interesting too. Um, the it's they're very much, I think, in a rebuild, so to speak, um, and, and so where they measure up relative to kind of the MLS Illuminati's expectations will be fascinating. Well, one Pedro Santos uh, will make his immediate return. Is that one Pedro Santos or Juan Pedro Santos? <laughs> no, one Pedro Santos. This seems almost perfect. Our first home game of the year, and the beloved Santos shows up. Murph, uh, is he the kind of guy that's going to come into this match with a chip on his shoulder, or is he like, eh, it's business, you know, whatever? I think there will be some of that from him. I mean, he's we know he's a fiery guy. I mean, I think he'll be glad to see a lot of these guys and be back and whatnot. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, it would not surprise me if there's a little added emphasis to this game for Pedro, given you – know, I don't I don't think he expected to not be playing for Columbus, uh, to use a term near and dear to our hearts several years ago. Um I don't think he expected to not be a part of the crew this year. And so getting a chance, especially early in the season, to come in and, and have a good game against 
a new manager and, and whatnot, uh, I think he would he would be interested in that. Bart, uh, I could see part of your home in the background. Would you bet the house that Santos scores on Saturday? I would not. Um, okay, well, uh, something else of lesser value. I mean, yeah. part of I, you has to believe that somehow this is going to happen. I, I, I mean, the, the, the part of me that, you know, is a crew fan and always expects the worst definitely does. But the, the, the part of me that, that also, you know, watch Pedro Santos. Now, wait a second here. Career. You're the no, man no. with the most optimistic uh, score picks. And, and that's what I mean. I, you know, the page, I also watch Pedro Santos dribble it in uh, around the Nordeck and uh, wind up and, and then, you know, kick it a couple times where it went about three inches and then out. Um, he He's, He's missed a couple uh, uh, in his day too. Um, I, I mean, I, I still that was one of the moves that was really tough, you know, for me. Um, uh, and I think, you know, right now, especially in a Wilfred Nancy system, uh, I think you you might like a Pedro Santos out on left. Uh, 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 but but you know that that that's where we are now. Um, uh, looking forward. I think he'll get a huge round of applause. Um, from the fans, uh, and, and he should, too. So, yeah. Oh, absolutely. absolutely, absolutely. And if if the crew do not have a nice package, they should, yes, for those beautiful screens. Otherwise, not it, a chance. That would require some forethought. And oh, if they don't have something in mind as a video tribute, and you know, maybe take him off his game a little bit too. Maybe mm-hmm. give him an award, give him a key to the city yeah. or something. You know, in like the middle of the game, like it's an end. Yeah, you never do. That. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, during halftime, <laughs> so this is all the halftime the adjustments hammer, and everything. You know, yeah. So here's a question, because this is a Bart question too. What's the age difference without looking it up between his manager and Pedro Santos? Two years. Three. I just looked up Wayne Rooney because I'm looking at a picture of him and I'm like, you know, yes, I need to shave. I have my gray beard, but I'm way older than Wayne Rooney. And <laughs> I don't know. I You look at a lot of guys that are retired. You go, yeah, that guy could still play. You look at Wayne Rooney and you go, there's no way on God's earth that he can play now. And it's shocking because it wasn't that many years ago when I saw him mm-hmm. play for DC United and yeah, he wasn't moving that well, but he scored a, a, a great oh, yeah. free kick against us at Historic Crew Stadium. I told my my wife and my daughter, I go, he's going to score here. You watch. Mm-hmm. And he did, you know, it, but it seems because he started so young. What a legend, though. I'm glad he's still around here. You know, he's he's good for the game. And credit to whoever did the hair plugs on him. Because, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, it, it looks great. It looks yeah. great now. Well, you know, <laughs> there's a little problem here back here. So if you get their number, I'd, I'd, I'd appreciate that. We I don't really. The, I resent that the turn this podcast has taken. <laughs> okay, well, we'll swing back those, towards those, the those of us. Those of us, uh, you know, here in the in the massive report, uh, you know, uh, metaverse that are maybe um, follically challenged. Um, you know, I'm getting there, buddy. Talk, 
any and all talk of any of any and all talk of hair plugs um, all right. you know, is, is is officially off limits. Let, all right. Well, let's um, change we'll this and blame yeah. Patrick Murphy for being the only one without a B for the first name. You need to change your name. You're now Patrick Murphy. Damn it, Patrick Murphy. <laughs> so I don't know. I feel like I feel like we don't know a lot about DC United, just like we don't know a lot about us. That's what makes MLS so difficult to pick. You know, I mean, generally speaking, you go, yes, Philadelphia's great, LAFC, the defending champions, blah, blah, blah. But there are a lot of teams in this league where you go, I don't know. I don't know. What do we bottom line it for me, Murph? What what do we know about DC United? Not much more than we've already covered. Okay, fair enough. I think we fair should, enough. I well, think we should bring up real quick. Uh, Brett mentioned him, but but Christian Benteke, who they signed last, was it middle of last season? But he didn't really play much. Look, he's a guy who had a little had some visa issues, couldn't yeah. get into the country right away. Yeah, yeah, he's a guy who has scored at a high high level throughout his career. Now he's definitely approaching the end of his career, but thirty two years old. Yeah, um, and and I think he's an old thirty two, but still a guy who could probably do some damage in MLS for, for this season and, and maybe next year. Look, like I said, th- this isn't a great team, so it, it may take, you know, guys being individualistic. Um, but yeah, I mean, look, they got to win week one, right? And that's uh, not that that dictates how the rest of your season's going to go as crew fans will, will attest to in the past. But I think that's certainly, they're going to come in with some confidence I will be interested to see, you know, how the crew attempt to defend a guy like Benteke. Do you do you trust Philip Quinton to roll out there again against a, a veteran striker like that? Um, not that he will be defending him solely, but uh, yeah, I, I just think the thing that I'm most interested in this game has less to do with DC and more just what what is game two of Nancy's tactical decisions look like, and you know how does it look in person too because. We saw it on TV, and I know we're about to talk about the Apple TV stuff, but seeing it, you know, from a from the stadium view, I think will be be interesting just to get a better sense of where guys are on the field and how the movement is and things like that. Yeah, and and, and we're we're taping this on uh, was it Monday the twenty seventh, and I, so I'm I'm fascinated to hear um, Nancy's like post you know video evaluation of the Philadelphia game in his um you know like match day minus two or whatever it is that they call it um media availability leading into the dc game what does he think about those first few steps how does he evaluate individual player performances after having time to be able to do so and then what do you how do you take kind of all of those you know all that data and move it into the next game i'm fascinated to see how he kind of reflects on all of that uh when we hear from him here in a day or so and Murph, when when will we be hearing from him? I'm like off of the MLS schedule as far as you know how things happen. So what what can we look for? I think on Tuesday. Okay. There has not been a press release, as far as I've seen, uh, sent out yet about the schedule for this week, even though we're one day into the week. Uh, but I think the plan is generally to do Tuesday, Thursday with him, uh, or with media availability for the team last week they had media day tuesday and then they did a zoom call with him on thursday so 
I actually, right before we started this, sent a text message asking if there is availability, and I have not yet heard back. So if I get there is, I actually there is an email. I just got it. It is Tuesday, so Tuesday, Thursday to confirm. Well, how do you think? Because uh, Murph and Brett, you, you know, this is going to be an ongoing concern for you. Uh, do you think it's it's going to be uh, easier going as far as doing your jobs as opposed to Caleb Porter and his regime? I think it just depends on what you were trying to get out of Caleb. Um, like we talked about, <laughs> and Brian, you weren't there, Bart, you weren't there that day, but we were talking about how Nancy has this like very European approach to things. And I think some of that is like, he doesn't want, he doesn't need a relationship with the media. Um, in Caleb, well, he could definitely have his bad days where it was, it was bad <laughs> Caleb. Um, there's also, you know, Caleb grew up in the American sports media where I think there's a bit more relationship between a lot of people um, in, you know, people that cover the team and, and coaches and whatnot. So, I don't know. I will be interested to see how much he's willing to talk about like the things Brett brought up and kind of reevaluating that, at least to the, the local media. Um, Caleb was good. I mean, he could be very defensive about things. Yeah. He was good about definitely telling you what he thought from the game. And, yeah. You know, it, and that was fun. That was fun. I just wanted Nazi to be fun at the end of the day. And I think I give think, us something. He, his personality has started to come out a bit more. Um, you know, like, oh, he doesn't have to be nice. He just has to, he no, just has to give he, us stuff to talk about. He very much is a nice guy. I, I, <laughs> I don't want to give that that sort of uh, you know vibe. He, he's I like him a lot. From, he can be mean to Murph. Well, what's interesting is we do have a what they're calling it a wine with Wilfried uh, Tuesday night. So it's kind of a wow. Episode. So maybe he'll warm up there. But uh, no, no, no. I just. <laughs> I just think he hasn't, you know, we haven't been to this point yet where we're talking to him about games. You know, we've yeah. asked him about preseason stuff and things like that, but a lot of that was behind closed doors. Um, so it, it, it'll it be interesting just, and, you know, as he gets to know us in the media a little bit better, I think that hopefully, he, you know, he understands kind of where we're coming from on things. It's not like he's never done this before either. He, he did it in Montreal. So, uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see going forward how, how he how he deals with those type of things, what he's willing to to divulge each week. We'll make our picks for the match with DC United here at the end, but Brett, let's because the other thing that's uh, so new to everyone is this Apple TV deal. I want to, as a TV guy, I want to get your thoughts on the production, what you saw, what you liked, what you didn't like. Ooh, um, how much time do we have? Um, <laughs> we so podcast we have all night. Yeah. So, um, to, to you know, so I think to, to be perfectly self-effacing a little bit, um, in, in terms of like, uh, saying like, kind of like disclosing a little bit of, of some of the reasoning why I feel the way I do about the Apple TV stuff is also kind of important in terms of understanding, like, my, uh, you know, kind of transition process from the end of the Bally sports, uh, TV stuff, um, to now not working in, in a TV capacity with MLS and that. So, um, essentially they eliminated sideline reporters from any and all broadcasts, um, for, 
reasons that we don't really know, some of them logistical, some of them financial. I don't really know why. Um, and so that was kind of the, that was in large part, I think, maybe the impetus as to why none of us in terms of when I say us, I mean, sideline reporters across the league um, were were, you know, kind of brought in from the uh, regional sports network um, side of things to Apple TV. Um so, um, and that was frustrating, but th- that can be a different podcast, a conversation for a different podcasts. But um, the, it's important for me to stress to people that, um, that they, all of these broadcast pairings, and I'm talking about play-by-play guys with analysts, I'm talking about hosts with analysts, um, uh, Ian Eagle, who's, uh, you know, obviously a CBS uh, sports play-by-play guy, kind of the number two um, guy for CBS sports, calls the NCAA tournament NFL, um, called them uh, a couple weeks ago, arranged marriages, which I think was a fantastic way of describing um, how those relationships um, can feel in those early days and then how they develop as time goes on. And um and, and, and so they're going to be experimenting. They, meaning MLS slash Apple TV, is going to ex- be experimenting with um, those pairings and those kind of arrangements um, as the season goes on. And so um, that'll be kind of a fascinating little tidbit um, that we see uh, as, you know, kind of who works well together and who doesn't. Um, Production value wise, I think that the 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 change to full 1080 um, 1080p aspect ratio and and video quality was awesome. Um, we I, I kind of don't exactly know what we were putting out um, in Bally Sports, but it wasn't quite 1080. I don't think, and so the picture quality um, is fantastic. The production value of the games is a little bit different. Um, because of who they're getting to direct the games and who they're getting to, to produce the games. Um, I thought with the crew game specifically, there were a lot of um, questionable cutaways uh, at, at times. Um, the, the, the friends that I watched the game with could, were probably tired of me yelling at the TV to go back <laughs> to the game. The crew's best opportunity in terms of an attack happened while we were watching a close-up of someone else. Um, and we didn't actually see it live. We saw it on replay in the second half. Huh. Um, so, yeah. So like stuff like that, but they're growing pains, right? They're going to be filling out um, some of that. Um, but my biggest gripe is with the VAR process mm-hmm. um the and i'm not talking about it in terms of like rules and and any of that the the second uh handball is a fantastic tried and true point by point kind of um blueprint of what not to do in a replay situation we we did not see um like the, what i would call the offside camera which would be like the broadcast mm-hmm. side of the game. We didn't see the off camera shot of whether or not Milos is even in the box on that handball call. It's unquestionably a handball in terms of does the ball hit his arm? Yes. yes. Do we know it's in the box? 
from the one shot that we saw during that VAR review, we we couldn't answer that question definitively. That was a huge mistake um, during a really pivotal moment uh, in the broadcast. Um, and that was really frustrating for me to, to watch as a fan because that's like s- simple TV, mm-hmm. um, to, to, to be quite honest, that we should – when I say we – I'm talking about the broadcast industry. We shouldn't be making that mistake, period. Um, but the fact that it happened was frustrating. And, and that, that's my that's my big, one of my big concerns around this is because, you know, we are in relatively uncharted territory where this is the entire broadcast is one part and parcel with the league um you're, you're you're that you know a little bit you know with the nfl but it's still cbs it's still fox broadcast crews doing it these are mls broadcast crews and i think there is an argument you know for potential certainly a perceived conflict of interest where it is not in the league's interest potentially to show in the same sense that you'll see often in stadiums, at least again, there there's the, the, the perception, I think certainly among fans that, Hey, sometimes they're not going to show every replay that, you know, the most damning replay up on the scoreboard, you might be seeing that at home, but we don't see that there on the sto- scoreboard because of reasons. Um, uh, and, and that there's at least a, a little bit of a, uh, an incentive or at least an uncomfortable position to put yourself in, as part of the broadcast team, as part of the, you know, the director for this uh, to potentially show something, show an angle that is going to undermine the league um, and and undermine the official ruling from the officials and VAR. I think it's an uncomfortable position to put them in. I don't know, you know, uh, the the way to to solve that um, short of, you know, divorcing it and saying, Hey, the league should not be broadcasting this, spinning it off as its own entity. I don't know. But um, that, that was just one of those things that I didn't really think about. Um, until you run into that first replay and then it's, oh my goodness, this is a little bit concerning. Murph, I'll tell you what, I think that, you know, as much as the, the other sports leagues have ignored MLS and uh, not given it too much credence, they're watching this very carefully because we are at a turning point in sports broadcasting because of the financial position of Bally Sports and they are on the verge of bankruptcy on the edge of a major league baseball season. Not only that, but teams, including our own Columbus Blue Jackets, uh, are broadcast on Bally Sports. There's going to be a seed change in this business in the next, it could be a few months. And I think that the NBA, NHL, and MLB, certainly NFL can do whatever the hell they want, that they're the, you know, the, the baby Huey in the room, and they're just going to do whatever they want. But these other leagues are are trying to figure out how they can control more of these dollars and take all of this in-house. And I think they're all standing by and watching what MLS is doing with Apple TV. And Apple TV is a great partner because they don't give a, a crap about – I mean, this is a loss leader for them. This is the display – of of soda in the front of the supermarket that's discounted it's it's a loss leader so they want it to look good i don't know that they care about any of the other stuff that we're talking about 
and the other leagues are saying, hmm, they're sort of out there experimenting with this stuff that we want to do, right? Yeah, I think you're you're definitely right. I mean, I don't know. You know, you mentioned the, the some of those leagues with with Bally and the local broadcasts. Um, I mean, you saw it kind of first with the NFL this year on Thursday Night Football and the, the yeah Amazon broadcast that they did. I think I think you've all brought up some very good points, and I just want to bring up another one: is like if you are a person who wants to go out and watch these games, it's not. I mean, they've had they do now have Directv, which is is carrying, which is what they did for Amazon for for Thursday Night Football. But I talked to I have friends in in the bar industry, um, bar restaurant industry. I talked to a few of them that they didn't know where it was on Directv, couldn't find it. They can't get Directv at whatever bar restaurant they work at. Um, the the streaming is not synced if you have multiple TVs in a bar, which is Ugh. true on a lot of, th- a lot, you know, the EPL has that problem when, when they're on Peacock, but it's, it's an inconvenient thing. I saw a lot of people on Twitter frustrated because the crews in the stadium live tweeting the game as they are entitled to do. And people are for the first time that, that aren't used to watching things on streams are realizing how far behind they are. Yeah, uh, it's more than you think. This yeah, happened to be a lot during football season where uh, my brother would text me, did you see that? No, I haven't seen it yet. I'll see it in about 90 seconds. Yeah, it's it's you know? quite a bit. So, I mean, again, this is part of the adjustment, but they, you know, if you're going to go to this streaming platform, I know they worked, at least the crew, I can't speak for other markets, worked with a lot of local bars to get them access to Apple TV and, you know, they put up signage and everything. And it, I, I think it worked okay this first week and again, growing pains, but um, it just, you know, I mean, I watched Bart was at the same, we were over at Endeavor and there were two TVs that were ahead of all the other ones. <laughs> and, were off. and, you know, it was just it's, no it's, audio. No yeah. audio couldn't play over because well, it was really, streaming. That's more of an yeah. situation because of their streaming, uh, the way their but, audio. But it's not like there aren't other bars that are going to be in that same situation if you're not used to you know streaming it. And I think the other concern is that how do you ultimately you know grow a fan base? Right, Endeavor's going to be fine. The bars that people yeah. go yeah. to to watch soccer, they're going to find a way to get it right. It's how do I go in as a crew fan to a bar that you know I haven't been you know, that I'm into and say, hey, can you throw the crew game on and get a couple other people that are there that say, hey, what is this and are interested in? You can't do that. Um, my concern, Brett, is you know, and it, this is my battle that I have all the time because I went to Washington State. I'm a Pac-12 guy. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I'll go into a BW3 and go. Do you have Pac-12 network? And they'll look at you like you have three heads. If I go to the BW3 on Maxdown Road and say, can you guys fire up the crew game for me? They're not going to be able to do it, right? I mean, Probably not. No. And, 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 and they're going to look at you like, what? Why would I do that? Well, and I also think, I think if we can it, 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 take it even like maybe like from a 10,000 foot view uh, in that like, the one of the things that I what are the kind of the core tenants, the philosophical tenants of this Apple TV deal is that you're trying to grow the league at large, right? And that like there's there are these people out there 
that may or may not exist that don't have a team and aren't necessarily, I, I use the word partisans when I talk about fans of, of, uh, of major league soccer in that like there's, you have a team and that's pretty much your, the extent of your MLS viewing. I, I don't quite understand what data exists for kind of marketing Apple TV as this like league wide as this gateway to league wide content that there's this massive demand for. And Oh, by the way, if you want to watch someone else while your team is playing too bad because everyone's kicking off at the same time, that doesn't make any sense either to me. Um, I, I think the, 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 the one thing that we've seen a lot from major league soccer over the last say two to three years has been kind of this like move to the middle um, fr- away from the quirky kind of history of the league into trying to turn it in, trying to turn it into, you know, the American version of the premier league, the American version of Serie A league, whatever it might be insert, you know, European league here. Um, and I think that's a disservice to what makes major league soccer different than the other American professional leagues. The, the parody that exists across the league is remarkable compared to the other professional sports that exist um, in this country. The, the hyper local fandom that exists is so different um, to, to any of the other leagues. I want to say like, it's like the average NFL game gets like 45 million people watching it across the country, like throw on any NFL game and you're getting how, whatever the percentage of the country is turning that on major league soccer can't get one one hundredth of that on their most watched game ever. Um, So I think the more we devalue this individual fan experience on a hyper local level, uh, the the more we actually lose people. Now, that's a you know I, it's it, it's essentially asking the you know a, an unsolvable question. How do you cater to that? I, I I'm not entirely sure. I would hope there are smarter people than me that are probably able to touch on that and answer that question. Um, certainly in a more tangible way than I can. But I I do think that with this Apple TV deal. MLS looked at the paycheck and said, we'll take the biggest one and we'll figure the rest out later. Yeah. And the, and the logistics were just going to, you're along for the Y it's like the, the Reds owner at the start of the season last year. It's like, Where else are you going to go? Right. Um, oh no. So, so and, 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 but that was the hand they were dealt because yeah. of the, the return on investment in terms of ad sales, you know, on a linear TV deal just wasn't there because yeah. the demand wasn't there. Right. They were looking at, they, I think MLS thought they were going to get 500 million from ESPN um, or a 600 million offer from, from Comcast slash Disney slash Fox sports, whatever yeah. that it's not gonna you know, hashtag Megacorp is now. And I think the, the number was like 250. And, and so um, 
when they didn't when when you know what the what they thought their demand was on a linear perspective um didn't meet that it was like oh shit <laughs> you know like what are we going to do because the overhead costs are are outrageous and then and then the viewership numbers don't meet those by any stretch of the imagination so um so they picked Apple TV deal, the, the Apple TV deal, and now they're trying to build the airplane as they're flying it. Yeah. And uh, and so there, there are going to be bits and pieces that fall off uh, along the way, and they're going to have to make some changes. And I think that's all fair. Right. I, yeah. And 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 that's that's fine. Um, but I do think um, when it's this is not a case in my mind, it's one of the rare instances where like the phrase rising tide you know, raises all boats doesn't apply here. Um, and, and so I think uh, when we when we lose a little bit of the individual quirkiness that makes Major League Soccer, Major League Soccer, that's a pillar in my mind that this that this entire league has been built upon. When we lose some of that, we devalue the individual fan experience. And I hope that doesn't continue, but I may be not super optimistic. This This league is built, Brett, I think what you're trying to say is that and you did it very eloquently. And it's built on Diamond Dog Night. Well, period, it, point blank. It, it's it's built on civic pride. Yeah. And I think that there are a lot of uh, of supporters in this league who don't really follow other sports all that much. There's something about this experience and the culture that's built around it, and it's it's scarves and it's tifo. And it's, you know, drinking culture and it's, you know, it's, I think people look at the culture of European soccer or soccer all around the world. It's such a rich culture and it's so unique anywhere you go. And I think that, that people that don't necessarily become fans of other sports are like, I like this. I like this social experience and I want more of this. And to your point, Brad, I think it's an excellent point is that the danger here is that by sort of make, making this Mick MLS. Mick MLS. Yeah. Yeah. Like one of the things I, I, I tweeted about, one of the things I tweeted about after the game was in reference to the Apple TV stuff. And I think this is a really big challenge for the broadcasters to over to overcome one of, one of the best things that I think we did at Bally sports. And I'm that, that, that Neil Sika is very much like the, the shining example of this because he's an absolute freakazoid in terms of being able to instantly recall individual moments. Oh my God. Yeah. He's, he's weird about that. I don't know. Yeah. It's like, like, (laughs) <laughs> and, and and not just and not just like oh like Guillermo did this he he could be like yeah oh yeah like you know Ishmael Elfath was the referee and he had pink socks on <laughs> it's like how the absolute hell do you know that yeah um yeah but I, I the one of the best assets for us that we used all the time was the ability to juxtapose all of these individual crew moments with present crew and how those past moments influenced in a very direct and tangible way, the current crew season. Now these broadcasters who are coming from other parts of the country are parachuting into these games and probably have no ability to even touch on that context. Mm -hmm. And I think that context is like the backbone of why most of us are packing the stands. 
Oh my and, God. That, that and, is, that is really, that is dead on. That is dead so, on. It's when, like, it's like the MLS is sort of the grateful dead of sports. You know, was it, were you there in Eugene, you know, in 1979? <laughs> you know, I mean, it's that conversation yes. that you have and it's not a, okay, you were too young to be there in Eugene in 1979, but let me tell you about it, you know, and I'm an old guy. Mm -hmm. I, I, I was at the literal first game against DC United. I, you know, I used to have Brian McBride and Kyle Martino and Frankie Hiddick on my radio show. This is the, the history of this franchise is so rich. And I think between the new ownership, you know, yes, thank you for saving us between the new ownership and this TV package, this, this memory that we all have, this culture, this shared story is going away. And that's my concern. Murph. Well, I, I think the difference, the way that, that other leagues have gotten away with this, these these announcers that aren't your local announcers, the NFL, they do it in Europe with European leagues, is that those announcers grew up with that sport. They grew up with the NFL. You know, they know just because they're not a Green Bay Packers fan doesn't mean they don't remember Bart Starr if they're old enough or Brett Favre or you know, whoever. Just because you didn't play for Manchester United doesn't mean that you don't know about the history of Manchester United. Look, I spent an hour on the phone with Danny Higginbottom this week, and I thought he does a great job, and he did a great job calling union games in the past. But that's so different than Neil, who even if he wasn't the at the mm -hmm. press conference that week, still knows, as Brett was saying, so much about this team and was there on a nearly daily basis when, when we were allowed to be there. And I just use Neil as, as kind of a juxtaposition there with, with Danny. It's just Danny knows a lot about the Philadelphia Union. And you can tell that in the broadcast. But he had to pick my brain about the crew because – and they're going to have to do this every week until, you know, probably like mid-season when they've seen a number of teams multiple times – just because there isn't that, it'd be the same if one of us were trying to do it about another team when, you know, we know so much about the crew, but as we've talked about before, Brian, there's so many teams in this league, you can't keep up with, with everybody and what they've done the last six, seven years. And, you know, on top of that, you're adding in a new head coach who was in Montreal last year. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's, it's just a lot unless you're just dialed in on it. And I think MLS has, has gone a little quick here to, to go away from that. When you watch football, and I'm a, I'm a like a football broadcast nerd. I I get into the announcers and the production of the broadcast and so forth. You you hear the play-by-play -play person and the color person. What do they talk about? We sat down with Coach X on Thursday, and we and that's part of what they do every week. That's part of the production of the telecast. And there was some of that. This, I know that at mm -hmm. least for the crew broadcast, I know they did talk to, I think like a coach and a player this week. Um, I think they did it over like a zoom call. So there is some of that, but it's, it's the it's bare not. minimum you could do and you should expect. Um, the, the, the only thing I'll, I'll, I'll do to, you know, also I think, puts it along with this, although this isn't a new development, but it was something that, that was mentioned and extended this week, along with the Nick MLF MLSification was the extension of the Jersey deal with Adidas. Um, <laughs> which again, that's another thing, Brett, you, you talked about MLS 
taking the most money that you can get and then kind of thinking about if the, that is the Adidas jersey deal to a T throughout this league's, you know, in its initial years and in its infancy, I think getting all the, you know, yes, get that Adidas deal. But um, uh, now we've seen this year was a nice, I think at least so far, um, change from the trend that we've seen in the pre- previous years of just monochromatic um, they did seem like they let those teams do a little bit more with the jerseys. Uh, the cynical side of me is like, yeah, it's because they knew it was the last year on the deal. And so, hey, we'll give them a little bit of something here to make them happy. And then we'll give them, you know, the template jerseys for the next five, six years um, that we've got planned out for them. Uh, uh, but it, it's, just, I think, just another example of, again, Don Garber putting the league um and and just because of the nature of how mls is the owner operators they are franchises the ultimate product is mls it's not any of these teams it's not any of these players um and the sooner we all you know realize that that is the the plan uh the sooner at least we can you know fight against that what one thing that i that happened it didn't happen in the crew philly broadcast but i did see some some tweets about this with some of the other shows that went on shows when I say shows, I mean games um, that there was a, almost like an infomercial type feel to <laughs> some of what oh, no. went, went on. And like, I know the athletic had a piece where they, they essentially like pooled all of their um, reporting MLS reporting talent um, for kind of the thoughts on it. And there were a couple of the guys who reflected a little bit on, on the fact that in one show they were even saying like go and buy jerseys online mlssoccer.com you know like um which is crazy to me uh that like on a national level that would maybe happen um but i kind of think that's probably the blueprint and it probably also um ebbs and flows depending on who's calling the game um or more specifically who's producing that game um but the 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 thing that the i think is really important to emphasize is it's a work in progress and i do think that there are talented people in influential positions who get it the question and when I say get it, I mean the, 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 what I would refer to as like the spirit of MLS. The issue that I foresee is whether or not that is pervasive enough to really drive the, the kind of the content of the broadcasts in a way that doesn't leave essentially 50% of the parties watching wanting more. And when you've taken any and all kind of viewing options away from people, where else you're going to go, right? Mm -hmm. That is, that's a big issue for me because it's a hyper-local product. So um, how that develops is, is by and large, I think the biggest challenge for the league because We've said this before, the way MLS is going to sound to you this year is going to be so drastically different. And just because the announcers yell in goal for both teams now doesn't mean it's better. Doesn't mean it, it comes to you in a more direct, in, in, a, in a more personal way. 
and even though as much as like MLS is saying it is, I don't think that's actually the case. Is it state-run media? No, it's not fair to say that because I think each and every single one of these people, <laughs> I, I think they have enough leash to be able to say, yeah, that call was dog shit. Um, and they're not going to get their I wrist so. left, you know, in, in the ensuing Monday kind of post-mortem from the it, previous weekend. It, it's got to be church and state. If it's not a hundred percent, because if, if it's not, then mm-hmm. then people people are savvy about this stuff. We they'll see through it stuff. so quickly. Yeah, yeah, people see through bullshit so quickly, especially in this context. All right, so uh, we'll see what happens with with this going forward. Um, it's just going to be kind of generic, and that's sad. And it, Brett. Brett, I enjoyed your work so much with the crew, and I, I, it makes me sad that we can't have that localism because I, I think that the league mm-hmm. is giving short shrift to the culture of the individual clubs. And Don Garber seems to have fought against that the whole way. He doesn't get it. He doesn't get it. And it's the difference between, you know, uh, I have a friend coming in from college. He's on business. We're going to hang out in Cincinnati. He's spent very little time in Ohio. He lives in California. And I go, I'm going to take you to Skyline Chili because I like local isms. And to say, and he may, he'll probably hate it because he hates most things. But that's important to have that, that localism that MLS is giving up and that's one of their assets. They should hang on to that. Can, uh, I, can, I, give, can I give you a, like a, to me, like an example of essentially that, but in non sports world kind of terms where, if you're traveling to most people, right. If you're traveling somewhere, are you going to hotels.com or Airbnb? Well, I'm going to hotels.com. I don't want to stay in other people's houses. That's just so. But I would say, I would say that if you were to poll the over like all of MLS fans, Uh are you going to hotels.com or are you going to Airbnb? Most people are probably going to Airbnb. I know. I'm old because of that localism. Because you want to be able to feel like you're you're kind of swept up into that natural progression and feel of that place. And the, the fact that we've essentially leaned into you know, hotels.com, I think is a troubling thing for MLS. And I kind you of guys I'm, stay in other people's houses. If I'm still that. shocked. that. It um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it, hashtag no free ads, but like the, uh, you know, the, 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 the local Hampton Inn in, you know, I don't know, Atlanta is probably not where I'm going if I want to spend a week in Atlanta. All right. Fair enough. Well, hashtag, we'll be- We'll, we'll agree to disagree on that. When I when it comes to staying in other cities, I want to know what to expect. Because I don't care because I'm out. You know, I'm out. Sure. I'm doing stuff. You know, doesn't matter to me, but I get it. I get it. Um, all right. Well, we'll see what happens. Bart, uh, before we make our picks, I'll just, I'll just remind you because there are so many teams and so many games that St. Louis City did beat Austin in their inaugural game. That has to make you happy. Three, two, uh, 
Just the way they scripted it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I left my tinfoil hat downstairs, so let's make our picks. Uh, Murph, I'll start with you, DC United. And, again, thank you, guys. This has been a really fun discussion. There was a lot to go through. This Apple TV thing is like is fascinating to me in and of itself. So I appreciate you hanging out for so long. We're, this might be the longest mass report ever, Murph. Murph is like, oh. Man, so I'm gonna have to cut out parts of this. No, this is I, all we, my we, fault. Right? This is all that's all my fault. I take full responsibility. No, this is fun, you know. It was fun. And we'll brevity might be the soul of wit, but it's not in my house, baby. Yeah, that's <laughs> right. All right, Murph, first to you, make your pick for Saturday night. First of all, this isn't even close to the longest podcast, from my understanding. And Sam will have to edit it. Speaking of Sam, Sam says two one crew. Uh, All right. Sam was busy playing volleyball or something tonight. So he yes, this, which yes, is my recording. Gotten into volleyball. I am also going to go to one crew. I think they bounce back and find some offense, and things look a little bit better. And maybe people aren't as angry come next Monday when hopefully we're recording at Saucy. All right, Brett. Uh, we always save Bart to the end because he he always makes the craziest pick. So there's nothing you can say that that Bart isn't going to be intimidated by. So go two zero crew. Um, I, I think uh, I think we're the we're going to see the black and gold due to do for the pendulum in terms of a penalty swinging the other way. So one of those goals is a crew penalty. And uh, I think it's a some of the defensive problems uh, for the most part sorted out against D.C. So two goals for the crew and a clean sheet. All right. Well, I'm going to kind of fall in the middle here. 2-2 two, two draw. That's what I say. I, I'm i not – until I see it, I'm concerned about our what, – what I saw, the lapses and the goals in the run of play. It's just like, eh. You know, uh, Wayne Rooney is watching – he's having a pint and watching that film and, and figuring it out. So 2-2. Two, two. Mark? I am gonna go with four two crew. Wow! Um, I think the goal. I think the goals are coming. I think you know they still have some uh, uh, you know struggles you know defensively because of this. They kind of live by the sword, die by the sword um, approach. Um, but uh, uh, but I think you know crew come in. They they start generating. Go against the DC team that's filled with a bunch of you know. Uh, 35-year-old scrubs and then 16-year-olds. <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, that that front three. I think Kevin Molino gets the start. I think uh, uh, he, hot boy, it's hot boy summer coming early. He gets a, he gets a goal, Cucho a goal, and then uh, uh, we'll, we'll add one for, um, uh, uh, I think, Sean Zawadzki comes on <laughs> and is that your new josh williams bastard oh no josh williams well yeah that's 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 the other uh uh then then so zawatsky <laughs> makes it three one they get one late and then they bring in josh williams to lock it down and josh williams as he's want to do decides oh let's just add another one here um and just a diving header on a corner by, right. by the way uh since we're keeping track this year which we decided yes about, yes we need to do that I was easily the closest last week. What I was said, your pick? I said 3-1 Philly. Which oh, yeah. You win. All right. I was just Fair about enough. to say to Bart on Saturday night that I was the closest, or that I had the right score, and then Philly scored again. So. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's probably going to happen again. So, yeah. All right. Murph, you're the winner for this week. 
Uh, let's let's wrap this up because uh, I gotta go to bed at some point. Um, like and subscribe. Saucy Brewworks will be back soon. I know. Do they have Crochet Club there now? Did I hear that? That is something they do. My do. wife is huge into crocheting, so you can I may be there two nights a week. She doesn't like beer, though. So oh, they've got all sorts of options, Brian. Yeah. Yes, they coffee, do. They have yes, non-alcoholic they options. They've That's got true. Spritzers, all sorts of things. All right. Well, we'll figure it out. Uh, Saucy Brew Works, thank you. Like and subscribe to the Mass Report Podcast. Murph, Brett Hillebrand, thank you. Bart Logan, it's good to see you, man. It's been a while. Oh, yeah. Are you going to be uh, at Saucy soon? So I can... oh, hey, hey. I like to watch you drink beer, Bart. <laughs> I'm Brian. Listen to my radio station, CD929. I would appreciate it. And uh, we'll talk to you next week on the Mass Report Podcast. <laughs>